Welcome everybody. All the kingdom's horses and all the kingdom's men couldn't put the world's end back together again. I'm your host, Brian the Hype Ballard, and we're going to talk about the AEW effect and the world's end pay-per-view. We're getting into the results, the thoughts here on the Tap Out Talk, and we're also going to get a little bit into some devil storylines. But it wasn't just a matter of the devil getting his due. It was also a night of a triple crown champion in the classic tournament. But there was also so much more. A little bit of controversy. A little bit of the bubbly. Let's get in. And get in we shall. Welcome again, everyone. This is the Zero Hour. We've got Willow Nightingale versus Chris Statlander kicking off the action as we get a little promo work going. I'll be really quick and brief with the breakdowns of these since they are live on YouTube. However, Willow takes control early with this one, and this match was put together a very late addition to the card. We do get a body slam by Willow with a running splash. Chris catches her, rolls through. We get a couple midsections, a couple clotheslines, but in reality, this uh, matchup actually goes a little bit about the 13-minute mark. Good showing between these two ladies. Um, we actually get Willow Nightingale pulling off the win here. She doesn't quite make the pin. Basically, uh, Willow gets the proper Dr. Bob for the one, the two, and the three. And I will say on this one, it was a good little warm-up matchup. Did its job. Got the crowd rolling. Tested out the ring. Willow got the win here. I don't think it really hurts Statlander overall. And it keeps Willow relevant as we're counting down to the pay-per-view. Next, we got the 20-man battle royal. I had this brief thought earlier today. I thought about Luchasaurus, AKA Killswitch, or Nick Wayne, or somebody like that winning this battle royal. A little too late though, I never committed to it. But it did pass my mind and I said, it would be interesting just to have him win it here and play into the storyline later in a way for Christian to retain the title or a way for Luchasaurus, a.k.a. Killswitch, to hold the title while Christian seethes with jealousy. But we do get Dan Housen, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Rocky Romero, Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, Action Andretti, Butcher, The Blade, No Bunny, Christopher Daniels. We get a lot of Serpentico was in there. Chris, uh, Kip Sabian. I always like Kip Sabian. Uh, we've got Lance Archer. Had an actual good showing in this 20-man battle royal. I always wondered why Lance Archer never caught on. He was good in year one or two of AEW, but they gave him Jake Roberts as a great mouthpiece, but I like Lance Archer. I'm going to go on record saying that. I like the Murderhawk monster. We got Killswitch, of course, making the entrance, and as soon as I seen him walk down the ramp, I said that should have been my pick. The bell rings. Get them all on the outside, ironically. They're loading up with tables. Uh, they bury the two big men, Archer and Killswitch, under the tables and chairs. They spill now into the ring. Not out, into the ring, finally. Um, we get some high action with Serpentico, Rocky Romero. They're all there, all your Saturday night favorites. Romero in the apron at one point. Later on, we get uh, a little bit of 
Blade and Butcher team up in the match. Ultimately, we get Sabian Headbutting Dan Housen. We get also Sabian in, um, fighting back in response. We get Kate Sabian getting eliminated with an Insiguri by Brian Keith. Dan Housen looking to curse Keith, but he's cut off. Keith headbutts Blade off the ropes. Butcher makes the save. Backdrop driver by Keith on Butcher. We keep going on in this matchup, and Kill Switch and Archer finally emerge in the matchup. Probably about halfway through. Daddy Magic gets in the face of Archer, chops to the chest. Archer with a body block. He eliminates Menard. Daniels also eliminated. Archer clothesline both action. Andretti and Dante Mark. But now, Rapongi Vice tries to take him out. Archer responds with a big slap in the face by, by Rocky Romero with a huge blackout to eliminate Romero. Kill switch with a double choke slam on Andretti and dives Martin. Kill switch and Archer eliminate Martin and Andretti simultaneously. Archer sends Blade over the top rope. Butcher is gone thanks to Kill Switch. Dan Housen's in trouble. He tries a German suplex on Archer. Archer with a blackout attempt. But Chet Beretta saves him. Trent and Dan Hauser eliminate Lance Archer. So Archer actually looks stronger, like I said, in this matchup. At this point, there's a little hug, and people, they get what they want. Trent eliminates Dan Housen then. There's a running knee to Kill Switch. We got Trent Beretta and Kill Switch going at it. And then a third. Trent's feeling. He's feeling the upset. He's feeling the win. He's feeling the TNT title. He pulls a knee pad down, runs and gets caught, better than a choke slam by Kill Switch charges. Trent with a low bridge, but Kill Switch holds it. Both men are on the apron. There's a jumping knee by Beretta. Trent is looking at the half and half. Kill Switch avoids it. A massive back elbow drop. Kill Switch finally knocks Beretta off at the 14 minute mark to give Kill Switch the win and a shot at the TNT Championship. Something that would come into play later this evening. Moving ahead with the Zero Hour, we got one of the best matches of the night. Not really, but the best match of the night of Zero Hour. Wheeler Yuta comes out, taking on Hook. Wheeler Yuta's good in the ring, not so much on the mic. He got a little caught up tonight on this one. Um, I could tell they're working on skills with him, but I don't know if the crowd got to him. He fumbled a little bit on the pre-match promo, but that's okay. I'd be fumbling a little too if I had to take on Hook. Wheeler Yuta, again, has the microphone. He kind of bashes the group. Hook comes out. He fires away with a lot of offense. We get a lot of siren sounds as he makes his entrance. Immediately, remember, this is the FTR. Excuse me, FTR. <laughs> Not the FTR tonight. The FTW Championship under FTW rules. FTR, the FTW. This was an extreme rules match is what it was. We got Hook pulling out some trash can lids. Yuta pulling out a stop sign at one point. Sends Hook into the barricade. Wheeler hits a nice uh, slam. He lays Hook under the stop sign. Hits a senton splash for a one and a two. Yuta tries to suplex Hook into the trash can. We get a little red run, but no. German suplex by Yuta. Fast forward in the match here a little bit after a bunch of trash can spots. We get the red rum attempt by Yuta. He's fighting out of it. He drops backwards, slamming the hook into the trash can. DDT on the stop sign by Yuta. One, two. 
rolls to the outside to recover. You grabs the two by four, but classic hacksaw Jim Duggan two by four. Oh, the hook has a hockey stick. He sweeps the legs. He breaks the stick over the back of Yuta. And then the hockey stick assisted Red Rum. Yuta taps out at the 10 minute, 20 second mark roughly. Your winner and still FTW champion. That is Hook. Not a bad matchup. Uh, a lot of just spots. Again, kind of served its point on the zero hour. I think it was appropriate place from the show. You know, Hook, um, Hook gets a lot of credibility because of his father. He also does, there's something special about him when you watch him rust. I don't know, I just like Hook. Let's move ahead. All right, it's time for the pay-per-view to begin. We're going to march into World's End tonight. We're going to give the devil his due. And we're going to start it right off with the eight-man tag team matchup. Talked about this on the Twitter space the other night. Check us out on Twitter, at the Brian Adkins. But ultimately, we got the all-star eight-man tag. Guys in the Twitter space, we're talking about this being kind of the throw-together match of losers of the tournament. I got to agree with you guys. I, I didn't care for how everybody was just kind of tossed into this one. Maybe we do something. Have a stipulation to it. What if we had a stipulation and we maybe had everybody that lost this match go into an elimination style match here and then maybe the winner gets something. Maybe they get a shot at the new Continental Classic title. I don't know. You guys can play the book or comment below. Let me know. Ultimately, this has got Claudio, Brian Danielson, Mark Briscoe, Daniel Garcia versus Brody King, JY, Jay Lethal, and Rush. All guys capable of putting on some good match. So here we have Daddy Magic's join the fellows on commentary. Rush and Claudio begin the matchup. We get some forearms, some chops. Uppercut to Rush, big boot, a German suplex from Rush. Claudio to the outside, back in. We get some back and forth. Standoff between Jay White. Uh, standoff between Lethal and Mark Briscoe. But then Jay White is tagged in to face Brian Danielson. We get some yes, yes going. We get a handful of hair by White. But Dragon gets his label lock on. It's the year of the dragon, right? White finds the ropes within just barely. He reminds the ref that he has until five. Ref's counting. White with a huge chop as he mocks the yes chant. We get a running kick in the corner by Danielson. Chop of his own. Flurry of chops and kicks. And then a Hurricanrata off the top to White. Yes, kicks connect. He backs up for the roundhouse, and Daniel Garcia tags himself in. Daniel Garcia then wants to go against Brody King, who's looking for a little payback. Garcia dodges some tags. We move ahead. We get Daddy Magic a little bit involved. Moving on forward in the matchup, we get some Briscoe moments. Briscoe takes on both Lethal and White. Hits an Inseguri to Lethal. Moving ahead. We get a lot of tag back and forth in this action. That's what you expect out of an eight-man tag. I'll say this. The guys know how to put on an eight-man tag. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, Roosh knows how to do an eight-man tag. But ultimately, 
it comes down to a combination. This goes about 18 minutes, roughly. And we get Garcia with the jackknife. And he picks up the win for his team on Jay Lethal. One, two, three. Garcia again picks up the winner. And your winners are Brian Danielson, Claudio Casanoli, Daniel Garcia, and Mark Briscoe. If you just turned on the pay-per-view, didn't watch the Zero Hour, this would just be a good match to kind of get the crowd up and going. Since I watched Zero Hour tonight, I was already ready. And I was ready for a little bit more. Next storyline is going to be Andrade versus Miro. Nobody had Andrade winning this matchup. And you guys would have chosen Miro. You would have chose correctly. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Andrade has never caught on with me in AEW. He thought he was ready for the main event. He thought he was ready for more. He left the WWE and doubled down on himself. And it never caught on and it never caught wind. And that's why you will see Andrade maybe going back to WWE. Floating in the mid card like he does here. At the end of the day, the crowd will cheer for him quickly. And then they'll move on. Maybe you throw Andrade into the LWO or something. Maybe you get him in there with Santos. I don't know. But the reality is he's not going to be around AEW for much longer. This is why you go ahead with Miro for the win. So you got CJ Perry who does accompany Drade to the ring according to the storyline, one of her agents. Miro attacks before the bell. He stomps the heck out of Andrade before he's even had a chance to get his ring jacket off and his attire ready. Andrade actually liked his attire tonight. It's got a nice little color scheme going there. Miro then goes to the outside as Andrade dodges, finally takes, gets you know his gear ready to roll. Andrade goes for a dive, but a clubbing blow from Miro cuts him off. We get a figure four attempt by Andrade. Shout out Ric Flair, shout out father-in-law. Miro shrugs it off. There's a backdrop throw by Miro. Andrade got some air on that one. Um, this was, you know, CJ is at ringside. Ultimately, the story here in the end game was going to be CJ Perry, aka Lana, getting back with Miro. Rusev Mania. Andrade, basically, they keep going in the matchup. But we're going to fast forward. And CJ Perry, um, there's actually a bridge into a figure eight by Andrade, but CJ Perry sweeps the arm out. All part of this plan, and then there's a kick by Miro for a one and a two. Miro locks in the game over again, and it's indeed game over as Miro taps out. Excuse me, as Andrade, Miro taps out Andrade. Your winner of this one is definitely Miro. And I think it's good to get these two back together. Let's stop with all the nonsense. Let's stop with all the managing. Lana and Rusev, Miro and CJ, they just go hand in hand. I would like to see Miro kind of just get another strong push here. I could see Miro even challenging for the title someday in AEW. Anybody want to see a Miro main event match? I think he's paid his dues now. 
Up next, we got the timeless one, Tony Storm. She's going to be defending the AEW Women's Championship against Riho tonight. Storm taps Rio on the head like she's a cute kid. So Rio comes back with a flurry of forearm strikes. You know, Rio is um kind of like the opponent when they never have a challenger for a champion. Call in Rio. They kind of call her in for everything. If they need a champion, they maybe put the title on her temporarily. But this one was all about building Tony Storm's character. Letting the Timeless One extend. Storm break, uh, Rio locks in a face lock. Storm breaks free, but receives a roundhouse kick to send her to the, sends uh, Tony Storm to the floor. Rio dives on Luther. He catches her, but he hands Rio to Storm, who slams her onto the floor. Storm with a hard stop to the back of Rio, but the challenger gets a roll for a one and a two. We get repeated slams on Rio now before Storm drives a knee into her spine. Rio goes for a body slam of her own. She gets her arm hurt a little bit. We get the sky high by Storm and gets a one and a two. Storm tramples all over Rio. More body slams. Storm locks in a single crab at one point, putting pressure on the lower back. Everything in this matchup, I will say by Tony Storm, was focusing on the matchup. Good storytelling by Tony. Working the match, working the back, working the back. And that was leading up to something here at the end. We get a dragon suplex on Storm for a one and a two. Storm misses a hip attack, but she gets a stump pile driver for a one and a two. Pending combination to Rio gets a two and a drop kick and a follow through. And Storm grabs the ropes. Rio goes to the top again, but Storm drags her off by one leg. And we get a neck breaker and a new finishing move for Tony Storm at the 11 minute, roughly under 12 minute mark. Your winner and still... AEW Women's Champion, Timeless Tony Storm. I like the new finishing move. I like the little neck breaker. I like the work in the back during the matchup. I gotta be honest, I, I think it was a good match for what it was meant to be. A title retention and a way to develop Tony Storm further. I wanna see what this new uh, finishing move is gonna be called. I, I, I like to see the name of it in this one. You know, and I've said it once and I've said it again. I can't help but wonder if Dustin Reynolds, or Dustin Rhodes, if you will, is involved in the timeless Tony Storm character. Add a little gold dust, gold dust type glimmer. Got the movie appeal going on. And speaking of Dustin Rhodes, the natural. Well, naturally, this was supposed to be Swerve Strickland versus Keith Lee tonight. But that is now canceled. We got that at the zero hour. Keith Lee, unable to commit to the match tonight. Unable to compete. What do we do with Swerve? We're not getting the battle of these two x teammates together. So insert Mr. Reliable Dustin Rhodes. He is a true veteran, isn't he? He's a Rhodes. Of course he is. The Rhodes have a way. But Dustin Rhodes tags in, so to speak, and says, hey, Swerve, no problem. I'll work a match with you. That's what veterans do. That's what locker room guys do for these stars. Any of you guys that were mad at Swerve's positioning tonight, be patient. 
got to be patient with this, okay? I will believe that Swerve Strickland will become a main event, maybe even a world champion in 2024. I think Swerve's time is soon. I feel like he will become the Seth Rollins of AEW. I've said it for many months now. But a lot of you guys were mad about Swerve not winning that classic tournament. I'm okay with that. It keeps him out of the secondary titles because I believe there is more for him. I believe there is meant to be more. Swerve has got potential. We all know it. And it just makes the sweet. The sweet isn't the sweet without the sour. Dustin Rhodes gets in. He's going to work this match up and again help put Swerve over in this one tonight. Just like Keith Lee was going to do. Swerve gets the jump on Dustin initially. Tosses him to the ringside. We get some pre-match attacks. Swerve hits a big drop kick on Rhodes. Again, hits the steel steps. Kind of pushes his head in between. Prince Dana gets out of cinder block and places it on Dustin's ankle over it. And this, you think it's going to be like a just no match at all, right? But no, they do carry on. Rhodes, showing the heart of a Rhodes, actually goes and says that he wants to compete in the matchup and he can go so at this point he's in the ring Rhodes makes it to the feet the bell rings Swerve comes in really fast with a running kick and he drives the knee down the throat of Dustin onto the mat this could have been you says Swerve talking to Keith Lee Swerve kicks the bad ankle poses Rhodes and recovers Shots to the midsection before Swerve wraps a leg around the ropes. We're working the leg. We're remembering that cinder block pre-match attack. That's what a good heel will do. At this point, we get a power slam for a one and a two. But no, Dustin sets up Swerve for a shattered dreams. Going old school there. He gets, uh, gets it in despite Prince Dana's distraction on it. We get a power driver. We get Swerve. We get Dustin looking at the figure four. Swerve kicks him off. Hits a flatliner. He locks in a single leg crab. He heads off. Adds, uh, basically hits Rhodes again, but Rhodes, Dustin makes the ropes. Dustin fires off some chops, flips off Swerve, spits in his face. And then at that point, Swerve is ready. He grabs the arm of Dustin and appears to snap it backwards. Swerve up to the top rope there's a double stop a one a two and a three at the nine minute 28 second mark it swerves time it swerves house um we're gonna give him a pass on this one i know you guys think it was an okay match you know i applaud dustin Rhodes and swerve putting together a match on such short notice um you know it's better than being canceled right we don't want to do that. So I remember months ago, I think it was at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, we got a match that was canceled. And you know what? At least we delivered on something tonight. And I think this purpose was still the same. If anything, it's almost better that he was able to work a match tonight instead of just being left off the card. So I'm okay with the ending on this. We'll give him a pass on it. Speaking of passing, let's go on and passing the torch possibly tonight. We've got the eight-man, the other eight-man tag. Chris Jericho, Sam Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allen, Ricky Starks, Big Bill, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Kyle Fletcher. All right, so um, I'm not in the business of making allegations at people. 
I'm not in the business of spreading dirt and rumors. I'm going to let things of that nature work themselves out because here on Tap Talk, I don't like to get into those kind of things, the politics of it all. Um, but I will say it's going to be a very trying time for Chris Jericho. He felt that from the crowd tonight. Um, a mixed reaction. That's about right. You got half the people that kind of know what the rumors are. And if you guys want to know and you're not knowing what I'm talking about, just Google search it. Do your own research. But ultimately, we got the other half the audience that was there for the show that maybe was casually tagging in. So we get this matchup. We get Guevara beginning with Takashita. Takashita drives him to the corner, but Sammy with chops right out the gate. He kicks to the head and has a diving crossbody. He gets a one count. He tags Jericho. There were boos for Jericho. You could hear them. There was one sign that made it on. It was uh, the NDA non-disclosed agreement sign. But Takashita with a flying forearm hits Jericho down. And now comes Ricky Stark who flips off Jericho. In comes Hobbs. Shoulder blocked by Hobbs. Tagged to Big Bill. You get a flapjack on Jericho and an eye poke to Bill to keep control. We get a tag to Darby. Everybody loves Darby. Darby comes in. Darby heads to the top, but Don Callis interferes, distracts him. Takashita hoists Darby up onto his shoulders and hits a massive avalanche. Blue Thunder Bomb. Hobbs in with clubbing blows to Darby and a stalling suplex. Hobbs and Big Bill swing Darby by the legs. Takashita prevents Darby from making the tag, and Darby gets a sunset flip, and then he tags in Sting. Sting takes out Starks and Takashita. The Stinger Splash. Owl. Another to Bill and Hobbs. Jericho assists, and Bill and Hobbs are in opposite corners. Sting and Jericho with stereo Stinger Splashes. Big Bill comes right back in. We get a one and a two. We get the black hole slam for Bill to Guevara. A code breaker on Bill. We're going to fast forward here in the matchup. We get Don Callis involved in with a baseball bat, but then he quickly uh, runs away. He think, uh, Jericho stops Hobbs from interfering by locking in the walls of Jericho. Now Sting locks in the Scorpion Death Lock. So you get the walls of Jericho and the Scorpion Death Lock at the same time. Starks breaks it up though. Bill is sent to the apron. Darby drop kicks him off a huge suicide dive to take him out. Sammy takes a run up, but he's cut off by a big spear from Starks. There's a one and a two. The Angels wings from Starks. A one and a two. Sammy Guevara with a super kick. He connects. Guevara goes up top. Starks is ready. And then there's a shooting star. One, two, and three. Your winners, Jericho, Darby Allen. Stinger and Sammy Guevara. I like the matchup. I like the placement on the card. I like the idea that Sting is undefeated in AEW since he's debuted. That was my prediction. That was our prediction. And I think that was everybody's thought. And I like the idea. Let's just ride this. Sting deserves it. It's very surreal to wonder that he's going to have his last match here within the months to come. Let's move ahead. We've got Julia Hart versus Abaddon. Julia Hart, one of the young rising stars of AEW that they've done a great job developing. We've got a little supernatural creepy vibe going on with this one. we got a little, you know, why not? Undertaker made a career of it. 
Bray Wyatt made a career of it. Kane made a career of it. Let's go ahead and try it out. Abaddon gets the uh, choice for some stipulations here. Uh, and Julia takes a moment to study Abaddon before they lock up. Abaddon goes for a big kick and Hart dodges it. We get a This Is Spooky chant. Gotta agree. Later on, we get a black hole slam from Abaddon. We get a one and a two. Abaddon grounds Julia and gets some mounted punches. Julia reverses it. I gotta admit, uh, this match was a little bit better tonight than the last match I've seen with Abaddon. Uh, was the Christmas one where there's just a bunch of Christmas toys spread around. So I gotta say, I enjoy this one. Uh, they get to the feet. Uh, basically... Hart gets the upper hand at one point, planting an STO on to her opponent. On the outside, Hart whips Abaddon into the ring apron. Hart follows with a suplex to the floor. Back in the ring, Hart takes them over the ropes, chokes them out, and there are no rope breaks in a house rules match here. Abaddon with a whiplash effect on the ropes, but Hart manages to keep her, her submission on. We get a knee in the square small of the back. Abaddon bites the arm, but it's legal here in this match. Hart goes for another shot. Abaddon bites that arm. I wonder if we're going to get Julia Hart zombie within the next coming weeks. Maybe the mist she spits actually counters that. But we get a running knee by Abaddon. It connects. They battle over the top rope. And the Hart hits a big-time suplex for a one. And a two. Sliding, blindsiding. Hilarious. By Hart, though. Hart locks in the Hartness. Abaddon reaches the ropes. It doesn't break the hold. There's no... No rope breaks in this one. Abaddon rolls through, and instead, uh, she gets to their feet, and she hits Hart with a spinning slam and a drive to the knee for a one and a two. It's still a no. We're going to fast forward here, and then we get an appearance by Sky Blue. She tosses Abaddon off the top rope. Abaddon sits up, heads under the ring to find Sky pulling her out from the apron. They battle on the ramp. Abaddon takes her down, nailing the drives. But Julia comes from behind. She rolls Abaddon back into the ring. There's a moonsault that connects. And there's a one. And a two. And a three. Julia Hart retains at the 11 minute 58 second mark. You're, new, you're still TBS champion retaining Julia Hart. Speaking of retaining, I just want to say thank you guys for staying and retaining with me. And everybody over at the fans of ProWrestling.com. Out on Twitter, we've got Twitter spaces going on all the time. Come and join us. Let's get in. Hey, guys, if you like what we're doing here on Tap Out Talk, hit that like button. Like, share, subscribe if you like, but the like button just helps me out, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Let's move ahead. A lot of you guys feel that this was the match of the night. I got to be honest, I think this might have been one of my favorite matches of the night, despite the ending. I think the match of Christian and Adam Copeland, the history is there. The story is there. The no DQ fits the mold. Fun fact, I uh, they said that Adam Copeland was wearing the same exact gear that he wore when he took on Mick Foley at WrestleMania. Interesting, because you know we'd have a similar spot in this matchup with the Flaming Table. But ultimately, Copeland meets Cage on the ramp during his entrance. He, you know, I like that start off with the pre-match attack. This is supposed to be a grudge match and a feud, right? So I definitely think that's the way you start these matches out. I think 
if two guys are really want to go at it, it's not a competitive nature, it's a hateful nature, right? I think you got to. I think that's how you start this matchup. I think they did it right there. Ultimately, um, we get we do eventually get into the ring. We get some Nick Wayne interference in this matchup too. I'm still not big on Nick Wayne. I know you guys like him. I just there's nothing that draws me into the character yet. And his mom. Him and his mom are both there. But anyway, I digress. Copeland climbs um, into the barricade later on. Um, we get a you still got a chant at one point. Adam gets a 10 count with some mounted punches. He's sent into the ring post, shoulder first. Cage rests while Copeland heads to the steps and he delivers a stomp. We get a two count. Copeland's eyebrows now busted open as Cage pulls out some kendo sticks. There's a big kendo shot to the back of Copeland. Kendo sticks always look like they hurt. Like they look, you know, I, I just imagine that's the thing because it instantly leaves marks on people's backs. Ultimately, we get a two count from some of the moves here. Nick Wayne grabs a chair. Cage drives the chair into the midsection of the ground. Copeland opens the chair out on top of Copeland, or excuse me, on top, and poses on top of it. Cage sits on the chair, locks in a Boston Crab. Copeland uses his lower back strength to fight out of it, fist to the ground, doing a push-up as he's trapped under the chair to get out of that move. Wayne hands Christian a metal rod. He swings it, but Copeland reverses it with a DDT to counter. There's kendo shots from Copeland now. Copeland reversing it on Christian. Cage grabs a hold of the metal rod, but no, Copeland sees it and shoves the rod in Cage's mouth for the assisted submission. Cage drags himself to the ropes. Copeland releases the hold. Adam, Copeland delving under the ring, and he comes out with a ladder. Copeland, we get TLC chance in this matchup. That was kind of cool. That's good, it's a throwback. He's the innovators of that match. The ladder is wedged between the middle and top rope. Cage is sent face first into it. But Christian comes back with a kendo shot. We are reverse DDT. The ladder is set up. Cage climbs it. Copeland's back up. There's a sunset flip powerbomb off the ladder by Cage. These guys, I can't believe these guys are pulling off moves like that. That was only good for a two count, by the way. We get a little more back and forth action. I can't even keep up with it all. We get some chair shots to the face a couple times. We get a spear through a table for a one and a two. Shayna Wayne pulls the ref out. Nick Wayne comes in out again with the title shot belt, smacking it, hitting the os cutter off the middle rope of the floor. He rolls Copeland in. Kill switch connects for a one and a two. Cage just handed Nick Wayne a lighter and lighter fluid. They douse the table and Cage tells Copeland to go fuck himself and then Wayne sets fire to the table we get a spear to Cage and Nick Wayne is on the apron as Copeland adds more fluid to the table the power bomb off the table through the flaming table on Nick Wayne almost went past the table but the flaming table is flipped over Copeland's back in the ring we get a shot to Cage Right in the growing. A kill switch by Copeland. Uh, kill switch comes in. And then Copeland actually uh, hits the kill switch. He gets a one, two, 
and a three. We have a new TNT champion at the 24 minute mark, but it's not over. This is where I was getting confused. So you have Kill Switch and Kill Switch, the move, but we also have Kill Switch, Luchasaurus. His appeared behind Copeland. There's a clothesline from behind, a choke slam. He's cashing in on this title and he wants to become the AEW TNT champion. But no, Christian comes in. He berates the big monster. He demands that he hands the contract over. Christian signs it and Chris hands it to referee Paul Turner. And the bell rings and we get a spear by Christian. One, two, three. Your winner and new TNT champion, Christian Cage. All right. Controversy. I don't know if it creates cash in this situation. Uh, Aaron Riff, NoDQ.com, on my Twitter, he post, you know, posted tonight. It reminded him of when DDP lost the title and won it right back on a WCW Nitro episode. It did kind of remind me of that. I got, I think it's a fair point. Um, ultimately, that was a kind of a weird spot at the end of the match. I like the matchup all the way up until they tried to duplicate Mick Foley and Edge at Mania. And then the ending for me didn't work as well. I thought it would have been more interesting if Luchasaurus AK Killswitch did not give up his championship match. I guess they're telling a longer story here with this one. Speaking of longer stories, it's been a long Continental Classic Tournament. Lots of round robin styles. In the opening match of this evening, we've gotten a lot of guys in that tag match. But this is the main event. This is your John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. I'll be honest with you guys. I like the idea of this being in the finals. This tournament, and I said it from the beginning, was very much felt like it was created for an Eddie Kingston win. I actually thought Mark Briscoe would do better in this tournament than he did. But that's fine. Um, I feel like Eddie Kingston definitely deserved this win. I don't compliment Eddie Kingston very much. I actually have a little fun not being a big fan of Eddie Kingston. I kind of like having fun with that. But in all reality, Eddie Kingston slowly has won me over. He's definitely deserved this. Um, you know, this matchup kind of just grueling. And if he's going to beat anybody, Mox is the one that needed to be in this main event with Eddie Kingston tonight in order for this win to mean anything. Mox is a former multi-time AEW world champion. And if you want this Continental Classic and you want Kingston to become a triple crown champion, this is how you do it by beating John Moxley in this tournament. It's not going to hurt Mox to take this loss. So we get a lot of slapping uh, we get some pile drivers in the center of the ring for two counts. Moxley goes for a single crab at one point. It transitions to an STF. Eddie has to bite the hand just to escape him. Back at their feet, they trade an overhand chop, and Eddie even brings Moxley to his knees with more chops. Eddie brings the straps down. You know he's getting into business, a la Kurt Angle style. Moxley flips Eddie off. Eddie retorts with some huge chops. We get a back fist by Eddie. Eddie can't capitalize to make the cover, though. There's a struggle here. Clothesline in the corner. Eddie unleashes the machine gun chops. 
Eddie stalks him. I felt like this matchup culminated everything that Eddie Kingston has done in 2024. All the Japanese wrestling matches. I felt like this was the world's end of that year for Eddie Kingston. Eddie was fading a little bit. You get a back fist to the future connects. He gets a two count. It wasn't enough. But the Northern Lights bomb for a two count again. Eddie drives for a power driver. He can't get it. Mox explodes with a clothesline to create some space. They come head to head on their knees. Trading shots. You feel like they're down to the last blow. They fire each other up with shots. They slaps. There's a massive back fist with a one, a two, and a three. Eddie Kingston is your new triple crown champion. Not a bad match. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the win. Good job, Eddie Kingston. Congratulations. Let's move ahead. And we move ahead to the main event. It's one of those situations where the storyline overshadows the main event. I told myself I was right before the matchup. I messaged the team over at Fans of Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Fans Insight. And I said to the team, I said, I'm going to try to calm myself down and not be overly excited on who the devil reveal is. I'm glad I did that. I will say, uh, the devil reveal, the way this whole main event went, I think there were a lot of factors that played into this that we just didn't account for. I don't think we accounted for how hurt or injured MJF is. I want to see what the long-term story is for him in 2024. He's obviously going to get a break. Interesting note to hand the championship title over to Samoa Joe. I like Samoa Joe. I hope he can be a good, credible champion for us as much as MJF was. MJF gave us one of the best years of matches. You read his little manifesto that he uh, wrote the other day, and it makes a lot of sense now that he lost this title. It was almost like he was saying goodbye to us all, but in a good way. So we get the Long Island crowd. You got the Bret Hartish in Calgary type vibes. And then we get, all of a sudden, Adam Cole's music. He makes his way down to ringside, still on his crutches. And we let the speculation begin. And at this point, as soon as Adam Cole came out to ring, my disappointments came true. That Adam Cole was the devil. And that also means the kingdom. And we all kind of knew Wardlow was going to be involved in this. I really, really liked my storyline of Wardlow and a new variation of the Pinnacle. But we're not getting that. And MJF is still going to play the ultimate world champion in face. He's our scumbag. But let's talk about the match a little bit. We've got... Man, we got Max's shoulders taped up heavy on this matchup, looking very injured. Remember uh, Dynamite Joe turned on Max with the pleasure doing business with you from the devil. We get uh, Vulcan grip. We get on the shoulder. MJF chops his way out. 
Joe comes back with an atomic drop with a big boot, a back senton onto the bad arm. We get a Pele kick to MJF. Sheesh, Joe's still got it. Joe's looking for the muscle buster. MJF escapes, sends Joe to the floor with a low bridge. Joe, back in. MJF gets a cradle for a one and a two. A quick schoolboy gets a two count. Max is up to his feet. We look for a kangaroo kick, but Joe catches the leg. He tosses Max to the outside. Max hangs on. Tries to skin the cat, as they call it, but the shoulder is troubling him. Joe runs in. Kicks him to the floor. Joe with an elbow and a suicida to the floor to capitalize. Back in the ring, Joe hits a Death Valley driver for a one. And a two. We get some German suplexes. We fast forward a little bit, and then we get the muscle buster on the apron from Joe. Joe rolls him back in for a one and a two, and Max is not going down like that. Joe sets him up for another muscle buster. Spinning elbow, and you know, I kind of think back to what MJF was doing prior to this matchup. He was setting up the idea that he was scared of Samoa Joe breathing down his back. The little things that Maxwell Jacob Freeman does to tell a good story. And it really did try to put over Joe to the best of his abilities in this. Even month, almost a month ago or so. Um, we get Max into a few more moves. He can't quite lock in the salt of the earth. Um, we get Joe escaping. MJF somehow uses gets the ropes. Joe again back and forth these two were just having a big you know muscle buster matchup we then um, MJF calls for the diamond ring he asks and asks his best friend Adam Cole for it but Adam Cole can't find it obviously he eventually pulls it out but Joe recovers um, and locks in a choke MJF does um, a pinning combo, but Joe transitions into the Coquina clutch on the mat. The referee lifts the arm three times. The third time that match is over. When's the last time we've seen a match really just end like that in a main event world championship match? The referee calls for the bell and they did it. Samoa Joe is your new AEW champion at the 18 minute mark. Your winner, Samoa Joe. And I'd be interested to see where this takes AEW in the future and how they'll use it. Also, Joe leaves the world championship and off he's on. He's got his title. He's on his way out. Onto the media scrum as your new world champion. Adam Cole. And he'll be the first one to talk to the media scrum tonight. Adam Cole tends to MJF. MJF is upset and Cole gives him a pep talk. The crowds are just chanting bullshit. They hate the fact that MJF is not their scumbag or champion anymore. But, so, but then, someone's coming. The devil mass men surround the ring. Cole has the crutches, and I'm just saying, oh no. He's set up behind MJF. He's got the crutches. The mask, the devil's mass men hold Cole back, and they hold Max too. They have a steel chair and Cole demands they hit him instead. This is being played up way, way too much for it not to be Adam Cole. The lights go out. The devil henchmen raise the chair. They come back on and Cole is sitting calmly in the chair with the masked men 
around him. Cole is the devil, baby. The masked men unmask. It's Roderick Strong, Wardlow, and the kingdom. They need to max. They need max um, in, in the head. They uh, feed him to Wardlow. Wardlow getting a little revenge. Not really revenge. He got over on MJF before. Kind of had him in a squash match. And there's a power bomb to Max. Cole pulls out the devil mask and holds it up for all to see. Cole tosses the mask in onto the MJF. And he poses with his henchmen behind him. The pay-per-view ends and the rest of them gloat with the former world champion. Alright, you know, it's interesting because as soon as Adam Cole came out dressed in all black tonight, I just, something told me. I said, well, that makes it very easy. And I feel like they were trying to do a little shield type thing. But at the end of the day, Adam Cole and the Kingdom and Wardlow, they, they are your new group. They're the devil and the followers. Whatever this name's going to be. I will watch Dynamite because, you know what? I am going to have to get an answer to what all this is. And, you know, you're going to be watching this week, too. Let's go into our final thoughts. All right, guys. So, it was a night of devil disappointment. But, I do want to say it was the most logical choice. We could have had a better story. It was very underwhelming, and I will be the first to admit that. I would have liked to have seen a lot better story being told in this situation. But, if you were a casual fan and didn't look at the devil in the details, this was the most logical choice and there was nobody else. I just sometimes feel like, you know, we want more. I am interested to see what they do with Samoa Joe as your world champion moving ahead in the future of AEW. It'll be interesting to see who his first title defense will be against. Hey, if you guys have any ideas of what kind of Samoa Joe match you want to see, leave that in the comments below. I'm open to ideas because I have no idea where they go with Joe here. And Adam Cole revealed as the devil. It was a payoff from a story, and it was the most obvious one. But at the end of the day, I guess we went with safe, logical booking in order to hopefully create what I wanted in 2024 out of AEW, which was stability. And those are my final results and thoughts, everyone. Um, hit me up on Twitter at the Brian Adkins. You know, talk with us in the Twitter spaces over there. But I just want to thank you guys for being part of this. I will say World's End, for me, was probably a 5 or a 7 out of 10. I mean, this wasn't an over-the-top amazing pay-per-view. I wouldn't have been as annoyed if this was on a streaming model. And I wouldn't have been able to watch this in the comfort of my own home. But that's okay. Anyway, guys, thank you guys for being here with me. Sorry this took a little long tonight. I had to just get all the thoughts out. Make it a good one. Remember, it's not goodbye round here. It's game over. <laughs>